0: Thank you, Cody, and thank you for that clap. Um, the first time I hiked Half Dome, if you've ever hiked it, uh, you, there's a switchback place, and then you get to the cables, the famous cables. And as soon as I saw those cables, I said, this should be against the law. Because <laughs> it's just like this. And I told, my son was with me, and I said, now, Matthew, if you let go, I promise I will stomp on you, but I'm not letting go of this cable. Because uh, you could hear people dropping things like cans, it's going clink, 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 Shhh. You never heard it hit the bottom. And, you know, the next week you read somebody, it was somebody. Uh, anyway, so I recommend you do it. Uh, we would hike starting at 1 o'clock in the morning, so we had headlamps. The goal was to be on top by sunup, never ever made it in time, but, Uh, we were coming down when the crowd was coming up and so it's 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 a great trip Um, I wanted to take my grandson but he was less than enthusiastic so I thought when he turns 12 he might like to go but anyway Uh, the first thing you see when you get to the top is this sign that says in case of lightning take cover and then you see two things immediately there is no cover and you can see where the lightning has blasted the top of the rock. So you really do need to take cover, but there's no cover. Um, and this, uh, this summer, I hit a really important um, anniversary of, of becoming a follower of Christ. And nobody told me this. When you start following Christ, it doesn't always go smooth. They didn't tell me that. And they didn't tell me that once you start following Christ, um, you would never doubt anymore. But I want to go uh, to a place where on campus, I can still remember the piece of cement in the sidewalk where I was blasted by a doubt. What if this is not true? I mean, I, I was walking. I was happy. It was a good day until that bolt of doubt hit me. And now, I'm going to go back and see if there really is a mark on the cement. Because I stopped, and what we're about to go through is sort of went went through my head really fast. I don't know how long I stopped. It might have been a second. It might have been five minutes. You know, nobody asked me if I was okay. Um, But I learned you can also doubt your doubts. But I didn't know until that blast of doubt... Um, And so, tonight, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Why believe it? Now, I'm not trying to convince you. But if you are convinced, you need to know there are lots of rational reasons for this. And if you're unconvinced, you need to know it's not irrational. It's quite rational to believe in the resurrection. And I love uh, this, uh, this next picture of Jesus just galloping. Uh, out of the grave. Uh, part of the reason resurrection is so important: there are four days on which history hinges. I mean, the history of humanity hinges on four days. You know, the day Jesus was crucified, and the, he's in the grave, and then he, on that third day he's raised, and he starts appearing to people. Over those four days, everything circulates and arranges around that. And the New Testament: there are twenty-seven books in the New Testament. Don't you find it bizarre we call it a book, and even though some of them are only one page? <laughs> I, I'm never going to get over that. But anyway, um, in 1 Corinthians, so the Apostle Paul wrote 13 of these letters. He wrote to the church at Corinth. Was, Corinth was sort of a, a port city, Las Vegas. You know, what, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Uh, <laughs> because the internet hadn't been invented yet. Um, And so he's writing to these new believers, and he gets 15 chapters in, and he spends the whole 15th chapter talking about why I believe in the resurrection. And so you've got that printed in your FAQ. By the way, does FAQ mean you get to ask me questions? Okay. After. Okay, after. That's another reason to go to live groups, because you get to talk back. You get to talk up. And they have to listen to you. I love that. Uh, so check it Check it out. So in there, you've got these verses. I just want to read it to you. For what I received, I passed on to you. You know, when we read somebody like Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, who had a you know, world-class education, but he's passing on something that was passed to him. Just like, tonight I'm going to pass on to you something that was handed to me. And I hope you're passing on what's been handed to you for... For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, first importance, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is the promise of scriptures. I'll come back to that at the very end. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, Cephas is the other name for Simon Peter, then to the 12, the the disciples. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That's the biblical euphemism for being dead. Um, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Sometimes that's translated abortion. You know, he survived that, that, that light coming. By the way, if you're not very familiar with um, the New Testament, uh, write down somewhere on your paper Acts, A-C-T-S, 9 and you can read the story of how a guy who was out to kill Christians came, became a Christian because he met the living Jesus. For I am the least of the apostles. I do not even desi- uh, deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And these, this group of apostles are like with a super capital A. It meant they were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. And if Christ has not been raised, then you're skipping a few verses ahead. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. It's vain. You're still in your sins. That's an important note. We'll come back to it at the end. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, Christian faith hinges on whether Jesus was really raised as he said or not. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, if we're going to. Next slide. Oh, I pushed too far. That's good. First off, whether you're a Christian scholar, just a scholar of history and not believing, even anti Christian, there's no serious scholar today who denies the existence of Jesus. And there's really no serious scholar who will deny his death by crucifixion at the uh, hands of Roman soldiers unless you're a Muslim scholar because the Koran says Jesus was not crucified. Now, everybody else in history says he was crucified. But I think when um, Islam was just getting started, it, it arose kind of as a mixture of both Christianity and Judaism and sort of as a almost a cult within that and so part of the notion is look if Jesus was crucified then he was probably also raised from the dead Then we got to rethink this thing it probably would have undone it so no serious scholars deny his death by crucifixion at the hands here's ancient scholars outside of Christianity next slide here we go Um, You don't have this in your notes, but, you know, you can Google it and find it. Uh, So all of these scholars, uh, Pliny the Younger, now that's not the guy that made the beer. Um, uh, Followers, though, uh, thought he was God. Uh, Suetonius, a Roman scholar, Jesus was a real man, called the Christ, called Jesus uh, a disturbance. That's interesting. Celsus, who wrote a terrific Argument against Christianity. He also said Jesus was allegedly born of a virgin. He was his father was a carpenter, and he had miraculous power Josephus the famous Jewish scholar wise man of Jesus he said wise man his followers reported resurrection That's reported in the history of Josephus Um, the Talmud which is the Babylonian commentary uh, He was executed the day before Passover, and he said he had magical power. You know, a lot of people don't know the difference between miracles and magic. You know, Harry Potter, magic. (laughs) But if you think about the magic in Harry Potter, there's no moral content to it. But the miracles of Jesus always illustrate a great truth and have moral content to them. Um... Uh, I'm not going to read through all of these, but uh, Tacitus is a really important one. He, uh, he called, uh, speaks of the Christ, uh, the followers were called Christians, and he was executed under Pilate. So there were ancient scholars, ancient historians, who also verify the death of Christ and rumors of his resurrection. Now, you're, you're at a university. I think it's fair to say that integrity demands that we follow the evidence wherever it leads. Cherished misinformation has got to be abandoned. Cherished misinformation must be abandoned. (laughs) Maturity is the ability to process and not suppress unexpected reality. What's that mean? Well, it means remember Hubble. You say, all right. Next slide. Um, There are those... That say miracles cannot happen. A uniform human experience shows miracles don't exist. Therefore, all reports of miracles are false. The problem with that is miracles do happen, and they happen in the hospital. The problem with the doctors is there's nothing that they can put in the medical record that fits their science for a miracle. Think about it. All right. Next slide. Go back a couple. Didn't I have a Hubble picture in here? No, no, go go the other way. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Next one. Next one. Yes. Uh, You may know this. The Hubble Space Telescope, when it went up first, sent back the pictures. Blurry. The Hubble needed glasses. So they, they put the fix on. In 1993, the pictures started to come back. And they were beautiful. They were so crisp. And it was like empirical evidence for the universe was coming. And as they examined that and exact examined the background radiation, guess what? They discovered the universe has a belly button. The universe has a birth date. Now up until that moment, most astrophysicists believed that the universe was eternal. But now they could see by how the stars were spreading um, and the background radiation that it all comes back to a particular time and place. That was very upsetting to scientists. Because if you believe there's a beginning, that suggests a beginner. Now at the time, if you went into a bookstore in Marin County, which is not really predisposed to Christianity, and you went into the bookstore and you went to the religious section, Uh, No, excuse me, you go into the astronomy section, most of the astronomy books up till 1993 were kind of atheistic in their tone. After 1993, more than half had gotten the title because of the evidence that was coming back. Um, And they had to follow it, you know, where it led. Um, Okay, roll back, go backwards for a minute. Sorry about that. Next one. There we go. I love this picture. This is Thomas, sometimes called Doubting Thomas. Anybody here a Doubting Thomas? I think we've all been that. And and Thomas is great when he shows up at a life group. (laughs) Because he pokes at things. In this case, he poked at... Okay, let me make sure it's you, Jesus. And that, you see, where he's poking, that's where... In order to make sure he was dead on the cross, uh, you know, they rammed a spear up under his ribcage. And he wanted to poke it. (laughs) In life groups, you get to poke. You get to ask questions. They're good questions. And if you can't ask your questions, how are you ever going to doubt your doubts? Um, You're going to be stuck there. All right, so... If we do the poking, next slide. There are five possibilities. Here's the possibilities. Okay. All five possibilities, Jesus died, all right? But Christianity says Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead. It was a bodily resurrection. Hallucination theory says Jesus died Jesus didn't rise, the apostles were deceived. It's just a hallucination. Well, there's all kinds of problems to that. For instance, maybe one person could have a hallucination, but groups of 12 don't have a hallucination and certainly groups of 500 don't have a hallucination. Doesn't make sense. Besides, those that wanted to disprove that Jesus was God's son would have just gone to the tomb and got the body out. But the tomb was empty. All right, number three, Jesus died. This is the myth theory. Jesus died. Jesus didn't rise. The apostles were myth makers. Now, it is true. He lived such a good life, he should have never died. He should not have been crucified. I mean, even the Roman centurion who presided over his death said, This man was innocent. Um, But he did die, and he was raised. Number four, Jesus died. Jesus didn't rise. The apostles were deceived. It was a conspiracy. Well, the conspiracy theory, if the disciples, if they believed he, he, he was risen, when he wasn't risen, why didn't the people who stole the body just produce it? I don't get that. It's like the next one. Jesus didn't die. He just swooned. Well, those Roman soldiers... If they didn't kill him and make sure he was dead, their lives were forfeit. That's why when you read the gospel stories about his death, it's very clear they had to be quiet about what happened because they were guarding the tomb. And they were unable to prevent his resurrection. Um, Let's talk about miracles for just a second. St. Augustine, you may know him. He's in the fifth century. Um, Great thinker, brilliant theologian. He said, miracles are not contrary to nature, but only contrary to what we know about nature. Any IT people in the room? There's no one here. What do you guys do when your program messes up? What do you do? Call your mom? (laughs) Call your dad? Call Apple? What do you do? Well, what's that? Okay. (laughs) All right. Everybody needs one of those guys, that's for sure. All right. Now, when you take your your computer to that person, they will put some code in and fix it up for you. Okay. Is that magic? Is that a miracle? No. Um, The other day, my uh, son-in-law, his... um, he was taking a coding school, and he couldn't get his program to upload, so he called this guy who's a super guru, IT stuff, and the guy said, okay, I'm going to send you some code, send him some code, load it in your computer, boom, he took over my son-in-law's computer. He was in San Francisco, took it over, fixed it, give it back to him. Well, you know, God wrote the code of creation. He wrote the code of life, and he leaves a door for himself to do things, and he you know, maybe he interrupts it, but it goes right back in place. So miracles are not contrary. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Those who assume that miracles cannot happen are merely, merely wasting their time looking into the text. We know in advance what results they will find, for they have begun by begging the question. Now, if you read the Bible and there can't be miracles, and there are miracles all through Scripture, especially the resurrection of Jesus, we know how you're going to come out. But what if it's true? And as I was hit by that bolt of lightning and doubt, all these things started going through my head very fast. Did I believe he really died? Yes, I really, really died. Well, did they rush in the intensive care? No, that's not what they did. They put him in a tomb. Okay, but then he got raised from the dead. How did that happen? You know, did they, you know, put the stuff charge? And that, no. Did they, you know, was there some sort of drug they get? It's not possible. You know, when you work through your way like that, it says only God could do it. And God did it on the third day. The empty tomb and the appearances of Jesus, he is not here for he has risen, just as he said. Um, Those two things keep coming back at us to invite us into into our heart deeply that that he's alive. Now, um, here are all the appearances. Mary Magdalene in John's Gospel The other women. It's so interesting because in the Jewish court system, women, you couldn't testify. Your testimony was worthless. But in the scripture, the women are the first witnesses God calls forward. I just love that. Uh, Cleopas and another disciple on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24. The 11 disciples and others. By the way, what's odd about these witnesses is they're not predisposed to believe. They're doubting. All the apostles wanted to poke to see if it was really him. You know, and they say, is, is it really you, Jesus? Is it really you? And that's where the joy came from, when it really was him. Uh, to the seven apostles, to the disciples, so you've got a long list there. The apostles on the Mount of Olives before his ascension. And then Paul references this crowd of 500. You know, about double what we have here. Um, And so artists love to depict those. And one of the rare pictures of the 500 is that one right in the center. Uh, Any artists in the room? Yeah. You know, every time an artist does something from scripture, you become an interpreter. You have to choose and make your choices. And it's so interesting what they choose in doing these. Now, the most famous atheist in England for decades was a scientist named Anthony Flew Uh, but about 10 years ago after the Hubble he began to work through the logic of all these incredible things coming together randomly and he said that randomness of the universe and life doesn't make sense it's not logical that for all of these things to come together, there must be someone who brings it together. When I think of the DNA material um, has done, uh, it is that it is shown by the almost unbelievable complexity of the arrangements that are needed to produce life, that intelligence must be involved in getting those extraordinary diverse elements to work together. Now he didn't become a follower of Christ, but he became a theist. A believer in God. And he wrote this book, There Is a God. He crossed off the no. Everybody knew Anthony Flew as an atheist, but he became a believer. And in the back of that book, um, there's uh, a letter that N.T. Wright, Christian bishop in England, wrote to Anthony Flew. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but actually part of the drama, which has him as the central character. And in this letter that's now printed in the back of that book by Anthony Flew, he explains to him what's going on that's different and unique about the gospel stories of the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially Luke and John. Up until those points, one of the things that the writers of the gospels do is they'll say something about Jesus and then they'll show you the scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, that was a prophecy or a promise Or something that it illustrates. And so Matthew especially has all these scriptures from the Old Testament to show that Jesus verified and fulfilled all those promises. But when you get to the resurrection, it changes tone. And the tone is like that of a witness. And they bring the women forward first. Why would they do that? You know, right now in San Francisco, they're choosing the jury uh, for the ghost ship murders. Well, the ghost ship fire. Uh, Do you know about this? Okay, in in Oakland, well, you know, it's incredibly expensive to live in the Bay Area. And so artists are starving. So they all, a bunch of them in Oakland, got this really cheap housing. It was horrible. I mean, I saw pictures of it. It was very, very unsafe. You know, and turpentine, you know, all the things the artists used that, that could catch on fire, and all these exposed wires, and, well, it caught on fire. Well, now they're choosing, uh, they're bringing the managers and the owners to court on 36 counts of murder. They're choosing the jury, and they say that if you choose the jury well, the case is already solved. What they're hoping is they can find one juror who say, I don't really believe that they killed them. I don't believe they're responsible. Okay, now, as Matthew and John and Luke are putting this together, they wanna make sure they bring the right witnesses they want to bring the true witnesses. And the first witnesses were the women. And when Peter and John show up, they ran fast because they didn't believe what the women had told them. And they believe slowly through these appearances. The tomb is empty and Jesus starts showing up and making appearances. Now, um, I like what Anthony Flew says in this last quote. My almost wrapped up here the evidence for the resurrection is better than for claimed miracles in any other religion. It's outstandingly different in quality and in quantity. In quality and in quantity. In fact, um, if you read some of the miracle stories in other religious books, it reads a lot more like Harry Potter's magic than the miracles. And that's what Uh, Anthony Flew's getting out. Now, last verse. You've got this printed in your handout. If you declare with your mouth, this is from Romans chapter 10, how does a person get from believing in their head into believing in their heart? Um, It's like Jonathan Edwards said, it's one thing to be told that honey is sweet. And even know to the chemistry of why it's sweet, and have done the brain imaging to see what happens when you taste something sweet. And then when you actually taste honey, that's what I'm talking about. When it moves from just a head thing, which is important, to a heart thing as well. This is what happens. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you can't put that Lord in big enough letters. He's Lord of everything, over everyone over all time, every moment. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord... We'll be saved. Now, I'm going to go back to that place where the thunderbolt of doubt hit me, and I learned to doubt my doubts through, through rehearsing just what we went over about the resurrection. Another place I'm going to go is up in the hills, not hills, in the mountains. It's in Takwitz Pines. And I remember I was standing right beside a redwood tree like you have on campus here. And in that moment, I realized... That I had lots of questions about evolution and creation and that. But as I was looking up the tree, I said, It's like a switch got flipped in my head, in my heart. Um, I can settle that later. What I want to settle right now is I believe enough about Jesus to want to start following him. I want to give my life to him. I want to find forgiveness. I'm tired of dragging this backpack of sin around. I want to be forgiven. I believe God has raised Jesus from the dead and he's alive and if I call him Lord living Lord, risen from the dead Lord I'm not a fool I won't feel shame and I want to go back and celebrate that because I've never been ashamed now I've been ashamed of myself but I've never been ashamed of him I've never been ashamed of having declared him uh, to be Lord of my life and Lord of the universe And if you give your life to Christ, even tonight, um, you won't know shame. Believe me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for uh, this truth that Jesus lives, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is risen from the dead, and very significantly, that his death was for our sin. That Father, you and the Son had an agreement. You would pour out all wrath of all time. And the Son would receive it all on that cross. And you raised him from the dead to show us you really do mean forgiveness for us. And life for us in union with Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.